You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. Today, we talk to Dane Brugler about the players the Bengals might pick at number five, Jamar Chase, Penny Sewell, etc., and what they might do the rest of the way. But as we're recording this on Monday evening in Cincinnati, James, you were down at Paul Brown Stadium today, an in-person Bengals sports event. You got to see some of the the fans that the Bengals brought in. You might have seen Elizabeth Blackburn down there for the reveal. You certainly saw all the new uniforms, and that's where we're going to start today. But before we jump into uniform talk, I do want to quickly shout out the special Locked On Mock Draft event that started on Monday. It's called Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. You can find it on Odyssey, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. You can hear from James as he talked about why we picked the player we picked at five. Get feedback from other great Locked On hosts. It also involves greats like Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfora, Brian Baldinger, and more outside experts. So really want to encourage people to check that out, especially because James and the Bengals, a Locked On Bengals pick, was discussed on Monday's show. James, let's talk new stripes. What stood out? You were down there. A ton stood out. Uh, the first being able to talk to Elizabeth Blackburn in person was was pretty cool. Just because, look, she's really heavily involved in the, the Bengals Ring of Honor in this uniform design. Even though the project had already launched when she became the Bengals director um, of strategy and engagement, it, it's it's something that uh, obviously she had a big part in. So one talking to her obviously stood out. Two. Look, we had an idea of what the uniforms are going to look like, but seeing the white ones, I really like the white on white. And ultimately, I think we should pat both of ourselves on the back because when people were panicking, when they leaked, what was it, a month and a half ago, two months ago, and it was, oh my God, the Bengals jerseys are awful. No, they're not. These new uniforms, I think, look damn good. I think they're an upgrade. Are they perfect? No. Are there things I would probably change? Change, Sure, of course. But overall, uh, a significant upgrade and hopefully that this uh, this leads to the new era of significant upgraded play as well, because they're certainly going to look better on the field. Yeah, those white on white uniforms really do look great. They have two different pairs of white pants, too. They've got the one with the no orange. They've got the one with the black stripes, one with the orange stripes. And then they've got the black pants. You know, what's interesting is for me, I like the black on black the best. Very, very close between the black on black and the white on white. I expected to like the white on white the best. I also really love the orange. My initial reaction, I tweeted it this morning. Everything was done by the time I woke up at about seven o'clock Pacific time. It was 10 o'clock Eastern time at that point. Everyone had (laughs) seen them. Everyone had made their reactions. I, I missed the thing with TJ And so I got up and I saw them and I'm like, good morning. I love the aesthetic. They're going to look nice on Sundays. The jerseys are elegant. I love the solid colors. I love getting rid of the awkward panels. That's the biggest step up to me. I love the all blacks, the all whites, and both of the orange combos. And 
Honestly, the more I saw T. Higgins wearing that black top with the, the white pants and the black stripes without the orange stripes on the pants, the more that really grew on me. I didn't think I was going to love that combination, but it did really grow on me. Another thing that I like, James, got rid of the, the drop shadows on the numbers. I, I appreciate less complexity around the numbers, but I was one of the people that always wanted it to be a relatively simple approach. I like the elegance and I think they really nailed it for me. And, and the last notable big change, the, the Bengals joined one of just a few teams in the NFL that have gotten rid of the numbers on the shoulders. I'm not going to miss those at all. It, it, the, the fact that sometimes less is more, and I think that was the case with these. Now, the numbers, I love the the outline, actually, because the, the reason behind it is they're paying homage to those 80s Super Bowl teams, which I think is a really cool idea. Because that's the literally the best decade of Bengals football over the past fifty plus years since they've been in existence. Obviously, we love the the Paul Brown autograph on the back as well. So they're paying homage to the past. But the numbers to me would have loved for them to be blocky. I think uh, you know I know blocky is out, but the the round numbers they just tried to edge them out a bit, and they have a little more jagged edges. So I I get it, I understand it, um, but I think that's probably one thing that that I dislike about them a little bit. Uh, the other thing, and it's something that I've mentioned to you off the air, and you've our loyal listeners will remember this. You, you've thrown it out a couple times, like, "Oh, James will randomly ask me this." Chad Johnson can absolutely go out there right now and catch three passes for forty-two yards. Jake, Chad Johnson is going to be able to get off press coverage. You see that man? He looks like he could suit up today, wide receiver one. He. I don't know. I mean, sign him, sign him, get him out there, let him run a couple routes. Cause I, I think, I think Ocho Cinco's still open. Jake, let's go. I think he could probably maybe not get hit so hard by Ray Lewis on that one play where he tried to block Ray Lewis. You know, he, he oh, looks big. He looks strong, man. I think he looks like a safety now put him in the box. You know, I don't know. I don't know how well he's running and moving at this point oh, in his life, on. but he, can he, he looks good. I mean, he could get open on me, no question. <laughs> I could get open on you. I don't know about that. Let's talk about the fans. <laughs> I thought second to the jerseys, which are really cool. Uh, they, they look great on the players. Love the photos. The the, the best photo for, for my money, there's a couple in the running for me, James. The, the, the T. Higgins photo where he's leaning back in the chair, tossing the ball up to himself. And then the Chad Johnson jersey, again, ball floating, cigar in his mouth thrown in the background the 285s i think man they both look real good in those shirts love that but want to talk about the fan experience because while the photos were cool while the video was cool i thought it was incredibly important and and interesting and moving that the bengals made such an effort to bring those passionate fans into the stadium give them a day give them that sneak peek Get them on the field, the Bengalorian, Zim, Yaz, people you've heard on this podcast before. I think that that was a really cool moment. And for me, as an out-of-town fan, like a lot of the people that were there today, it made me want to go to Cincinnati, James. It made me want to go be around Bengals fans. And I haven't really felt that pull, that drive to, to really want to immerse myself in the community. Obviously, I do it on Twitter a lot, but the need to be there in person I like to get to a game every year when I can, but it 
it feels different, right? There, there's more to it. And maybe the Jersey launch is part of it and Joe Burrow being there is part of it. But I thought that them involving the fans in me, it stirred a, a, a fanship fire that I imagine will be held by others that, that follow the team. Perception matters, Jake. Showing your fans that you care and that you give a damn. And, you know, how many of our listeners and Bengals fans out there have followed a Zim Hude for years or have have jumped on the Commissioner Yaz bandwagon as she has her pep talks each and every week during the 2020 season, right? Uh, or, or just the Bangalorean because they thought that his armor was cool. Like, it matters. And so the fact that they brought those three in plus a bunch of other fans and you know, put them up in a hotel and flew them in and, and, and showed them some love that matters. And so I, I don't blame you one bit. Hell, I'm, uh, I was talking to Yaz and she's like, man, I can't wait to move to Cincinnati. And I said, oh, you moving to Cincinnati? She lives in California where people usually leave Ohio to go to California. She's like, oh, I wish, I wish I was moving to Cincinnati. And that's the part of it because obviously they have to win. But but handling the fan aspect and showing fans that you care and honoring your past and acknowledging it while also acknowledging the the people that are supporting you on social media. And and even when you've had five straight losing seasons, I I think it matters a lot. And uh, I I was glad to see it. I agree with you. I think it was it was big. And I don't blame you at all for uh, for feeling the way that you do, because I think a lot of Bengals fans felt that way today that couldn't be there. Credit Elizabeth Blackburn, right? I mean, football operations aside, we're about to talk about football with Dane Brugler for the rest of the show. What Elizabeth is doing to engage the fans is impressive. And even if it doesn't translate to the field, I, I think it's it steps towards modernizing, right? And that's what this organization is needed. And it will feed in to other aspects of things as her role with the team grows. We promised we'd talk about football in the draft. We've got Dame Brugler on those very topics coming up next. The Bengals got their new stripes on Monday morning, and I got a number for you, Jake. Six and a half over or under wins for the 2021 season. If you're screaming over, maybe you're screaming under and you feel passionately one way or the other. Either way, you can bet on it at Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Plus, there are tons of NFL draft prop bets for you, whether you think Chase is going to the Bengals, so you take the under on the six and a half that's up there, or maybe you think Penny Sewell is going to be the pick. You can make money, so get off the sidelines, get in on the action at betonline.ag. They got you covered for news, scores, and odds. Major League Baseball in full swing, NBA, NHL. And when you sign up for free and you go to make that first deposit, make sure you use promo code Locked On. You're going to receive a 50% welcome bonus. Again, BetOnline.ag. Use promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Let's keep things rolling with the best in the business. Uh, we we've talked about the beast multiple times here on the Locked On Bengals podcast, and it it's worth the subscription alone. Probably the best deal in sports. If you, uh, if you don't subscribe to The Athletic, you got to check out Dane Brugler's draft guide. And he's uh, gracious enough to give us a few minutes here on Locked on Bengals. Dane, I uh, appreciate the time as always. Let's start with the fifth pick. Obviously, that's uh, a hot button topic here in Cincinnati. I know you've said you would go with Sewell. How close is it between Penny Sewell and Jamar Chase if you were the, the, the GM of the Bengals? And how tough would it be to make that call? 
Well, uh, first, I, the best deal in sports, that's, that's, that's a high compliment. It's either that or, you know, a rookie quarterback on, the, on that rookie <laughs> deal. I don't know, either one. But, um, look, you know, the, the Bengals are in an interesting spot that this is, a, this is a good problem to have, right? You know, like you're looking at some really talented players here where you're going to get better on offense, um, you know, assuming we, we think it's pretty sure it's going to be offense. Uh, it's just which, where do they want to get better? You know, where do they see the impact potential at, at these spots? Uh, you know, is, is adding a player like Penny Sewell and on the, on the offensive line, is that going to make a bigger impact than adding a Jamar Chase or a Kyle Pitts? That it's an interesting debate that I think you could talk to reasonable people and get different answers. Um, and so what, what do the Bengals do there? I, I, I've, said before that I would go with the offensive lineman just because I think it's tougher to find the high quality offensive lineman like a Penny Sewell uh, compared to uh, wide receivers. Now, I mean, if you think that Jamar Chase is Julio Jones, then it, it, that makes it really tough. I mean, I like Jamar Chase a lot. I think he's a fantastic player. Um, I just, me personally, I would go with the offensive lineman uh, that's 20 years old, that's 330 pounds and you see him without a shirt and you're just, I, where is it? Where is the 330 pounds? He carries it so well. Um, and there's just so much to like about him as a player, um, not only who he is, but where he's, what he's going to be uh, by the time he's 22, 23 years old. So, um, and, you know, I know that the way the roster is set up, you know, the few of the moves they made, they don't, that tackle is not an immediate need, but I don't know that it, you know, you don't necessarily have to take, it's not how you should attack the draft. Um, you know, you should, especially with a top five pick with a top five pick, you need to be drafting who is going to impact your roster the most, both short-term and long-term. And I, I think you can make the easy argument that that would be Penny Sewell. So for you, when you did your mock draft, my, my first question is you said you would pick Sewell there and you just talked about why, is it a feeling that you have that, the the temptation is too much for Zach Taylor and the Bengals to pass on to for the for really the first time to have a quarterback and a wide receiver at that level reunite in the NFL. I went back and looked because it, it hasn't really happened at this level. Is it a feeling you have or is it league sources telling you? Because we've heard quite a lot of, of momentum at this point, I would say, that teams around the league expect the Bengals to draft Jamar Chase. Yeah, that that's kind of because when I do a mock draft, um, especially, you know, the first 20 picks or so, I'm balancing stuff off of, you know, my buddies in the league and saying, you know, if these three players are are here at, you know, seven, which direction you think they're going to go or well, what about this? And you're know, just trying to talk through it, um, you know, guys that I trust that, you know, I know are going to tell me their honest opinion. And at five it's pretty split. Uh, I mean, some still think that I, I think they're going to take the tackle, but more have said, I you know Jamar, the, the, the appeal of reuniting those two guys, Joe Burrow and Jamar chase just might be too much. And you had a wide receiver, of that offense uh, that already has some pretty talented uh, receivers on the depth chart and what it could mean for uh, you know, Joe Burrow and that offense and, and what they want to be. So, that you know, it's just kind of what I hear, but you know, it's it's draft season, so the, the stuff you hear changes with the wind, and uh, you know, it, it, we could be hearing something totally different, uh, you know, once I hop off the podcast. So uh, we've got uh, plenty of time between now and uh, April 29th, where uh, you know things could uh, start to feel different when we get closer. 
Let's stick with Jamar Chase and and focus on the bad or or the weaknesses and concerns. I know some are worried about his separation and ability to separate at the next level. Did you see that when watching him? And, and are any other weaknesses? Uh, do any other weaknesses stand out to you? Well, he's not an elite size guy. He's just over six foot, just over two hundred pounds, and has pretty short arms for uh, you know a guy we're talking about as being a possible top five pick, uh, thirty and three uh, quarter uh, inch arms. Uh, so just physically, um, just his physical presence, not going to necessarily, uh, you know, impress you. Um, I think that his releases, uh, he likes to be physical and that's, that's not always going to work against, uh, NFL defensive backs who get up in his face and press and, uh, look to jam him, get the timing off, uh, very early in the route. So I, I think he, you know, that's just an area and that's most receivers, uh, coming from the college level that that's just an adjustment period that is going to be there. Um, you know, he's, he's going to have his share of drops. Uh, I think he had 10 total, uh, as a, his first two years at LSU, uh, there's a whole year of development that we're missing at, you know, opting out this past year. Um, now I don't think he needed to take another snap for us to know what his talent is. Uh, he's so good in 2019 that, uh, coming back in 2020, I don't think was necessary, but it's still a year of development that, uh, we don't have. So, um, you know, he's got a few injury stuff in his background, nothing too serious, but, you know, he did have a, you know, a slight, uh, a ligament tear, uh, as a, as a senior in high school, Nothing that I think is going to scare you away here. So, you know, I, I, when we talk about these top guys, it, you know, it's it's more nitpicking than anything. So, uh, but like I said, if you think he is a Julio Jones can have that type of impact, then, you know, I, by all means, take him at number five. Uh, but, you know, that that's obviously setting the bar pretty high for a guy like this who, uh, you know, is had a remarkable season in 2019. No, there's no way around it. Um, and he tested, I think, much better than a lot of us thought. I didn't think he was a, a bad athlete by any means. I just I thought he was closer to maybe being a slightly above average athlete, not necessarily an elite athlete. Uh, the 4-3-4 and the 40, 41 inch vert, uh, under seven seconds in the three cone. And, uh, you know, something I, I, all the pro day information, it's over 600, uh, guys, uh, that having the pro day results in the guide, only two had under four seconds in the short shuttle, Jamar chase, uh, being one of them at three, nine, nine. So rare, uh, to see that. And he was one of those guys. So big time athlete, plenty to like about him at all levels of the field. Um, you know, if uh, Jamar chase ends up being the picket number five for, for, uh, the Bengals, I will not be one of the people saying, well, that was a bad pick. Uh, even though I would go in a different direction, you're adding a really talented guy to your roster, and I'd, I would understand it. And that's why you have Dane Brugler on your podcast, because how else are you going to find out that Jamar Chase had a, a partial ligament tear in high school? We'll talk Penny Sewell with Dane Brugler. We'll talk about some second and third round guys, maybe some later round prospects coming up next. This episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of vehicles out there, it is just impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. So instead of enduring pointless or intimidating questions and waiting while the counter worker looks up the parts for your vehicle, why don't you just go to rockauto.com look up your car parts for yourself using their very simple and easy to use interface and just order the parts from the comfort of your own home you'll get reliably low prices rock auto charges the same thing to you the do-it-yourselfer 
as they do to professionals. And you can't beat the convenience or the price or the selection. Go over to rockauto.com right now. Look at their selection of parts from engine control models to motor oil, even new carpet for your car. If you need it, they've got it. When you do go over there, make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Let's wrap up the show with some more conversation with Dane Brugler. You can find him on Twitter, of course, at DP Brugler. You can follow his work on the athletic website. He covers the draft for the athletic. And let's talk a little bit about Penny Sewell, Dane, because some of those knocks, the knock on him, well, really a lot of the same knocks. Both guys opted out. Both guys yep. showed out at young ages. Both guys have, I would call them technique concerns with Jamar Chase. I, I think that there are some questions with, you know, how well he sells some of his routes and at the stem. There's questions about his releases and if he can work in some more agile releases with the preference for power. With Penny Sewell, there's concerns that he, I've read concerns that he plays high. I've read concerns with his hand placement going to outside the shoulder pads. Um, there, there are obviously some people that are concerned about his length where he measures just what a quarter inch longer than the guy we've been knocking for his size for this whole process. And Rashawn Slater, what about Penny Sewell? What are the concerns there? Do you think that the technique is actually an issue or is that something that, you know, he's probably worked out in his year off? Well, and I think that's a key point. Um, with these opt-outs, you need to understand, okay, I, I get you've been working out, you know, you've been putting in the time, but how are you better as a football player? Uh, and that's a key thing to find out with each one of these guys that that's what teams are working on right now, or, you know, they've, they've been working on it throughout the process just to understand, okay, uh, you know, what have you been specifically been working on? How, how is that going to help you on game days? And so with a guy like Penny Sewell, uh, you know, cause he's not a perfect player by any means. Uh, you know, there, there's s- several areas of his game that he can mature and get better. Uh, especially, you know, you look at, uh, him at the second level, uh, some of his angle, some of his timing needs to get better. Um, you know, his finishing skills, you don't always see a guy that finishes through the whistle and you want to see a little more mean with, uh, with the way he plays, you, he, you see it in flashes, but not a consistent finisher. So I think that's an area where, you know, he can get a little bit better. Um, and just overall timing, because we know that playing uh, offensive line at a high level in the NFL so much, because all these guys are big, they're athletic, they're strong. So much comes down to the little fine technique areas, the timing. And that's where he just, he's a 20 year old player who has two years of experience and really talented, just needs to get better in those areas. So um, I, I think, but when you boil it down and you look at, okay, you know, his coaching staff says maybe the best player they've ever coached, um, you know, for a guy that's still very young, his mental uh, ability, it's not just the physical, the mental ability to make split second reads, to understand what blockers or what, what pass rushers are trying to do. So he's able to adjust his, his blocking angles and uh, how he's going to attack the defense. Um, it's just, it's, it's all very, very impressive. So uh, it's not just what he is now, but again, when you envision him at 23 years old, 24 years old, I think that's what, uh, you know, that part of the reason why it's an easy sell that Sewell should be the pick. Let's say they do take Sewell at five uh, wide receiver, obviously still a need for the Bengals. They would need to to find another outside guy to replace AJ Green's hundred plus targets last year. 
after the first round guys at receiver, what other outside receivers do you think in rounds two through four ish could be there that, that would fit the Bengals system? Well, this is a year uh, if you if you need an outside receiver, there's there's plenty of options uh, in the first three or four rounds. Uh, you know, I think early second round you know, is Rashad Bateman still there out of Minnesota. Um, you know, he's uh, a very polished route runner, very savvy. Um, I think there's a good chance he goes round one. But if he were still available, I think he'd be in the mix. Uh, Terrace Marshall out of LSU, 6'2 and a half, 205 pounds. Uh, he, he ran a 4-4-0, which is just an outstanding time for that size. Uh, he can win at all three levels of the field. A, a gliding athlete, you, you watch him play, you don't necessarily see uh, a burner or you know a guy that looks all that fast, but you know he's he's getting past guys. Uh, you know guys can't catch up to his speed, and so he's just a natural glider. Um, and there's some things I wish you were better at, just in terms of uh, you know being a, a more consistent finisher, uh, both and that shows as a blocker, that shows at the catch point. Um, you know, just being a little more refined in some areas, but a, a guy that is still young, true junior, uh, you know, he's only 20 years old. You expect him to get better and better uh, as he grows and develops. Um, I'm a big Diami Brown fan out of North Carolina, six foot and a half, 190 pounds. He's the best double move receiver in this draft. And it's, it really is a skill with the way it's not just speed. It, it's, it's the way you use your body, the way you sell the route, uh, subtle settling of your feet. Um, and so he's, uh, needs to expand his route tree a little bit, needs to be a little more consistent with how he finishes some of the catches, but he tracks the ball really well and he can get behind the defense. So, uh, I think Diami Brown, I don't, I don't know we, it, that he's going to last until the third round. I think there's a good chance he goes round two, but if the Bengals, you know, maybe they move around a little bit, I think he could be an option for them as well. You're Takeaways from Diami Brown, remarkably in line with what I saw. The the double move is an interesting observation because I was trying to figure out, you know, how how is it that he wins deep so efficiently and so often? And when you when you start to talk about the double moves, there's a specific play that comes to mind to me where he does a little stutter go and it's just over immediately. The ball tracking, absolutely something that you can see and finishing at the catch point, especially when he's coming back to the line of scrimmage. Again, what stands out to me, and I've talked about on this podcast before, Ife Melifanu gave him problems in that Syracuse game. And even who's a Wake Forest corner who he had the, the he had two deep balls in that game. One of them he takes away from the corner. The other one the corner takes away from him. But I'm also a big Diami Brown guy, so glad to hear you say that name. Let's talk about the offensive line on the other side. The Bengals go chase in the first round. Looks like there are a number of fantastic offensive line options, especially if they choose to address right guard where they really don't have a starter instead of the long-term need at right tackle in the second round. Who are your favorite fits in rounds two and three for the Bengals there? Because to me, that's the most likely place for the Bengals to pick them. I think there's a chance they go defensive line in the second round and wait till the third if they choose to just go for the guard. But there's also a pretty good chance that if somebody falls that they like, it's a tackle or tackle slash guard prospect in the second. Yeah, it would be interesting because they could go defensive line. It's in defensive tackle is probably the weakest position this year. And so it's kind of one of those deals where, okay, let's let's get our defensive tackle now because we don't feel great about this position stretching and getting our guy later where interior offensive line, pretty strong. I mean, it's one of the top five positions this year. So I, I think – once you get to day two, that's you start to have that thought process about, OK, what what package of players could we be looking at? And it's a little bit of a gamble because you're projecting a full round ahead. But 
something that at least should be part of your decision making. I think in round two, if anyway, Landon Dickerson's still there, um, as long as my medical staff says, you know, he's good to go. That's an easy pick for me. Landon Dickerson's outstanding. He's a first round talent. Um, obviously, the medical history worries you, but I'm willing to roll that dice there in the early second round. And I think uh, a team would be smart to do that. Um, you know, Alex Leatherwood's interesting because I project him best at guard, but he can play tackle. And so I think you have a guy that can wear a few different hats for you. Um, if you want to keep him inside, he could do that. You want to kick him outside to tackle when the need is there. Maybe he can be your long term tackle. So I think Alex Leatherwood. Uh, could be an option there in the early uh, early part of the second round. It's a, say they wait to go uh, third round, early third round. You know, is Wyatt Davis still available from Ohio State? Six three and a half, three hundred fifteen pounds. Um, I, I, he's I think he's got a high floor. You know, he's that type of player where uh, you know, he's he, he the way he sees the field, his power, his quickness. I don't know that he has necessarily an area of his game where it's just you know well above average or elite. But he's pretty good across the board. Uh, not a ton of weaknesses in, in his game. Um, also a fan of Deontay Brown, the other Alabama. Uh, you know, talking about Alabama, two guys already. Let's talk about a third. 6'3 uh, and a quarter, 344 pounds. He's a big boy. And he moves pretty well for that size. He can overwhelm guys in a phone booth, but he also has a little mobility to him. So I think the Bengals, if they want to address guard on day two, I think they're in a good spot because uh, you know they could go in the second round. They could wait to the third round and still get a pretty good player. Last thing from us, Dane, and we appreciate the time. The Bengals' biggest needs, edge, three-tech, wide receiver, offensive line. How realistic is it that they can somehow fill all of those needs in this draft over the first – well, throughout this draft with their eight picks? Yeah, I think it's possible, sure. I mean, it's uh, – you know, they drafted Carl Lawson, what, the fourth round? You know, mm-hmm. and so, you know, maybe they're able to do that again, find a, a, a pretty good pass rusher. I think we've been spoiled – in recent year with these pass rushers, you know, the Miles Garrett's, the Bosa's, uh, Chase Young last year. This year, we don't have that guy at the top, but that doesn't mean it's a weak position. It's actually a pretty interesting uh, position this year. So if they want to get a pass rusher in the early third round, you're looking at maybe like a Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma. Um, you know, they could wait till maybe that early fourth round and get a Rashad Weaver at a pit uh, or, uh, you know, maybe a Cam Sample at a Tulane. So there's plenty of options where, uh, you could see a, a young guy working into the mix and, and you know being a guy that maybe eventually outplays where he's drafted. So I think that defensive tackle is the one position where you think you got to go at a certain point because it's a, like I said before, it's a position that's probably the weakest of the, of uh, these positions in terms of the the Bengals' needs. So like a Milton Williams from Louisiana Tech, if he's there in the third round, he'd be tough to pass on at that point. Levi Onzerike in the early second he might be tough to pass on uh, just because you don't have a lot of confidence. You'd be able to get your guy later. So it'll be interesting to see what, uh, you know, the order that the, the Bengals attack these positions. But I think this draft certainly uh, could play out in their favor with uh, what they're looking to do and addressing some of these needs. Make sure you follow Dana on Twitter at DP Brugler. Check out the beast. If you uh, haven't already subscribed to the athletic Dane, appreciate the time. I know you're busy this time of year. No, anytime. I appreciate it guys. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked on Bengals podcast. Hope you enjoyed the Jersey talk and the conversation with Dane Brugler. We're back the rest of the week getting ready for the draft. We're almost there, James. It's just days away at this point. Chase and chase. Yeah, well, I mean, that certainly might be what we did (laughs) in the ultimate mock draft. You can go check that out on the ultimate mock draft 2021. Go find the podcast. 
The first five picks on Monday, we continue along the rest of the first round. And for some teams into the second and third round, where that's their first pick for some teams, it's a six-part series. Make sure you check that out. And until next time, Bengals fans, day and have a good one.